You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello and welcome to the Noise Direction podcast, where two people who spend too much time on punk can teach you how to spend too much time on punk. I'm Matt Bacon, here with my amazing co-host, Scotty Heath. Hello, Matt Bacon. Hello, listeners. And Scotty, what are we talking about today? Oh, today we were talking about, since everyone's starting to get those vaccine shots are starting to roll out, we, we're getting ready to talk about live shows again, which is pretty exciting for you and I, who yeah, it's spend a hundred nights you and I. here. I forgot we gig. have to talk over each other in the intros. Oh, we missed that part. I also yeah, that's what we say, do now. Oh, yeah. Our intro byline. <laughs> Excuse me. Maybe do we have to talk about punk music more now that our byline is talking about punk? Because our byline's like, we're talking about punk. And then I'm like, here's how you work the Instagram algorithms, punk rock style. <laughs> well, that's sort of our thing, right? Is it just, I, I don't know. I, I kind of view it as like punk rock MBA style, like punk in the broad sense. I added something to, made a post about, uh, made a post about the podcast yesterday and definitely got some feedback of people who didn't even know about it at all yet and I know like starting something new that there's a lesson in that like you can't just tell people like you're doing something once and expect the world to know and follow along that's a big thing so I it was cool like hearing from some people yesterday like oh shit you're doing a podcast cool and I'm like you know, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, yeah, well, where the fuck were you? I've been doing it for a month. <laughs> you know, and it's like a month sure. is nothing. So it's like, that was cool. But oh, what I wanted to say is I added um, just when I was like writing about it. I think this is this kind of works. And we hadn't said it before. But I, I do think that this podcast is like a self promotion podcast. And 100%. I like typed that out yesterday for the first time. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that really is. It's like, really like self-promotion, like for the creative person, you know, which is actually a book I have titled self-promotion for the creative person. That's awesome. What's that author's name? Lee Silber. If anyone wants to get it, I actually gifted that book to Tony Foresta about 15 years ago and then bought myself a second copy. We have a future episode coming up about Tony Foresta just for our dear listeners. Do Um, we really, or is that just on the show idea thing? I just like the, the I name like of that. Should... I, I like the name of that episode, Tony Foresta, A Life. Yeah, <laughs> we should, maybe we'll call him on that one, but yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll bring Tony in, you know, bring in an expert. <laughs> let's, let's get him on the line and ask him where that self-promotion book I gave him 13 years ago is. The point being, the point being, what are we talking about today, Scotty? Oh, yeah. Uh, we are talking about the booking a tour. Yeah. Right? Which is but, the thing that, in non-COVID times, I get asked about the most. I assume that is also the thing you get asked about the most. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really the most important thing for an for a band, right? I mean, you play some local gigs, but really the best move. I mean, I remember my first tours with both of my bands, and they were so exciting. And my very first tour was with Votsek, and uh, the rest of my band was much more experienced than me at the time. And so I really got to cut my teeth uh, watching how the, the people in my band, uh, had already done the groundwork and networked all these people and got us these shows and stuff. And then when I booked my own first tour a year later, I really kind of followed that path. Yeah. And that's really key, by the way, is 
the first time you do it, do it with someone who like knows what's up. Yeah, well, that's, uh, well, I guess I'll jump around, but the way that you said that is one of the things I was going to recommend. Uh, well, what I'm going, the basis of what I'm going to say is that if you want to have really good shows on the road, book really good shows in your hometown. Yeah. Because the whole thing, we've talked about nepotism, which is a dirty word sometimes, but to me, it totally makes sense, uh, you know, in in our world and, and, um, and, and about friendship being, being the building block of, of, of moving forward in your career or even just having experiences and opportunities along the way. Um, oh, but the reason I jumped ahead is because you said something about partnering up or following someone else. Um, every time we give advice on this show or anytime I give advice and it seems like a lot of work for one person to do, this even goes for like running your band's social media or something like that. Please get a partner, get a team, form a whole fucking collective to do it. If you need to, it'll help the shit get done. And by partnering up with other people, like-minded people, it just brings you closer. Like for example, this podcast, like Maddie and I were like casual friends for two years and now we've been doing a podcast for six weeks and we're like brothers. It's like my, my little brother, Maddie now, you know, like when you, when you partner on a creative project with someone, it like, it like links the DNA chain stronger. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so, um, that's how I let Maddie know, uh, that he's my little brother now Aww. <laughs> or my son, one or the other. I never had kids, Maddie. No, right. I feel like I feel like that was like something. This is like unironic. Like that was something that I definitely got like being everyone's like fake son because all I was 18 and all my friends were 45. Was like, yeah. That was a big boon for me when I was fucking a teenager. Um like I had oh this man, great like, moment. I had this great moment when I was like 25 and I was hanging out at my house after a show and how it had gone down was av after like the party had cleared out the two people that like needed to crash was one friend in his forties and one friend who was still a teenager. And I was like, punk's fucking cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's it is. Rad, right. Cause it's like, I used to often fucking... say, yeah, when I used to sell buttons, like at burnt ramen, I would be like, I used to joke with friends. I'd be like, Cause I knew like all the teenagers names, you know, and like yeah. a lot of my friends and band, just friends in their twenties, like just knew there was like a bunch of teenagers or whatever, but they didn't know them. And they'd be like, Scotty, you have no business knowing this many 15 year olds by their first name. <laughs> I'm like, You're not a school teacher kid. And I'd be like, I know, but I know all these kids. They're fucking cool, man. And hey, I mean, buddies. a lot of the kids and a lot of those kids, I'm still, um, I'm still, in contact with a lot of those kids and a lot of those kids have gone on to do really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, the kids of burnt ramen and the kids I kicked out of parties at my house because they were too young and stuff like that. You know, these, now these guys are, they're older than you. Uh, and yeah. they're, some of them are doing really well and some of them, who knows, some of them left a long time ago because the punk generation is about four years. So, so the point if you're okay. into punk, 
So let's just let's I just talk over back. Other. Yeah, let's go back to touring. Putting me okay. on point, real me okay. and Maddie. So okay, do so the, the first, co-host so the, job. So the first thing to understand about touring is like if you can. There's two ways to get into touring that are smart, and then I'm going to talk about how I got into touring, which was sort of not smart. Um, so the two ways to get into touring that are smart are a. Start by having your band do increasingly large circles around your hometown. Right. So I always talk about the 12 promoter theory, which is this idea of identify 12 cities around you, including your hometown, and just do weekenders every other weekend. And then you're going to play 48 shows a year, never hit a market more than four times in a year, but you'll build up a network and then you can do a tour of those 12 cities and it'll work because you've built up the relationships. Right. Now, right. So that's sort of the first thing to do is to start by. And that's really, that's also though, I got to say, is that's really. Um, an easier thing to do on the East Coast. It is, right? but but even but, and, even, and, but bands can navigate that, like yeah, sort it yeah. out, you know. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I played plenty of shows in Fresno, Sac, and Reno, which are yeah. like C and D markets, but that's what's you know three hours from my house. So yeah, and the thing is, like, and even if it's like you know, like what I'm trying to say is, don't start big. I see a lot of people trying to book a national tour, you know, after putting out their first record and it's like, that's not going to work. Right. You're going to, you're going to be super upset. You're going to be super stressed. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you know, a San Francisco band in fucking Richmond with three people there and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to, your band's going to break up. Right. Whereas if you do a week and you do, a week of California dates and then you do a week of California dates four months later, you're going to be much happier. Yeah. You know what I'm glad that you just said, Maddie, is when you said your band is going to break up because I think that a lot of bands really, I've seen people completely change character when on the road under a little bit of duress, right? Like I've seen people that I did not think were big fucking babies, right? totally like losing their shit over uh, over money or loneliness or being far from home a lot of those things so you kind of need to like test the waters with with who's out there (laughs) this this ties into my second point that i want to bring up right which is um you know if you are gonna go bit if you are gonna start big do it as like the session guitar guy don't do it with your own band. So for me, I got into touring. I started out just like doing like whatever, like hopping in the van with my friends to sell merch for a weekend, you know, in Belgium yes. when I was like a teenager in France, you know? Um, and like, like that was like a good starting point. Cause it was like, okay, like I get used, to, I got used to like okay, so you get in the van, you sit in the car for a bunch of hours, you get to the venue, you load in, you drink a beer, you do the thing, right? But like what I ended up tour managing, the first tour I tour managed, I was 20 years old. It was a national tour. I'd never been on a national tour before. And no one in the band had, I was the one in the band with the most touring experience at 20 years old. And my touring experience was like a week here or there. You know, it was not... Like it was a total, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a total trial by fire. And like, we got through, but I, it was not good. Like it was cool. Cause like the band was a viral success. There was a lot of people there. We were making money, 
but like I also did a lot of really dumb shit that I regret uh, on a lot of levels, you know. Which, yeah, which, which is which, fine, which you're going to do, and you know, I yeah, I but like, just realize it's it's safer if on your first big boy tour you are not the adult. <laughs> right. Would you agree with or, that, basically? Yeah, well, it's... Here's the thing. If When no one knows what to expect and one guy has a little bit of more experience, um, everything is going to come back on you, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, not a situation most of us want to be in or can handle right so yeah i yeah so that's sort of my like general point i just wanted to address because it was something that i had to something i had to learn so maddie's saying to to start small and and build your experience in in small little things because you're gonna jump out i mean by the first time i went on my first like real tour when we went on tour, like, I don't mean real, my first like professional club tour. Um, I had already been on like eight or nine tours. I had already booked full DIY tours for myself. I was booking tours for other bands. And then all of a sudden I'm on a, a real club tour with a tour manager and like strict load in and sound check times and all that stuff. And it was a whole new world. It was like starting at square one. Yeah. So just so realize there's, there, there's levels there up. that yeah. you're going to build. You're going to level up as you go. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then absolutely like I like I did want to say like yeah, like then I went and after doing like the Tenger Cavalry Club tours which ended up being okay even if it was hard and I did dumb shit, like then I went and did the Exhorter tours and that was like now we're in airplanes and like I'm getting handed you know, checks with an extra zero at the end. Like, yeah and so. but the work is the work's still generally the same you know yeah this is true um when you're working for a band that makes money there's more expectations on you but that's fair that goes along with anything when you when you're doing merch for a band that is still playing shows with five people there uh, there's not a lot of expectations when you're doing merch for a band that that brings in a couple grand every single night there's like some scrutiny involved and you got to like know your shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so okay. that's why you want to level up. You want to build your experience as you go. Yeah, so, so let's now, reel it all the way back yeah. to actually getting started. And, and yeah. this so is how a do you, really, how do you, how do you book a tour? I want to start even before that. Sure. How, where, what's the step you want to make um, to prepare to book the tour? I think sure. it's really important to work with like friends or at least internet friends that are like, like-minded and then also very important when you're getting started, know like what that scene is like musically, right? Because when you're doing bigger package tours and you're in a, a bigger, you know, 600 cap club, there's more room to have the opener plays this style. Um, there can be more diversity on the bill. If you're playing a basement and the entire scene in Buffalo is revolved around grindcore 
and you're like kind of like a power pop band um basically know know where you're going right like that's not yeah. always gonna work and then but also you can always ask like hey well who does book this shit in your town so but i keep getting away from my main fucking point if you and your band are booking shows in your town and especially this is crucial hosting bands to crash at your house they are going to owe you the favor and i don't want to i don't want all this to i don't want everything to feel transactional you know because i want i want you to do this because you want to do this because you want to participate and this is what excites you this is what you're into but it is very transactional okay one of the ways that got me really well is I'm, I live in a fucking triple A plus market for punk and metal, the Bay Area, right? It's an important stop on bands tours, whether it's their first tour or they're a career band. The Bay yeah. Area, Oakland, San Francisco is Berkeley is a huge stop. A lot of people um, will book they'll route their tour to land here on the weekends, stuff like that, like to double down on a good show. Um, so I found myself in a fortunate spot that everyone wants to come to San Francisco and Oakland to play a show. Yeah. So as I'm learning to book shows and the shows are really good, right? Because there's a lot of people here and I fucking get my ass out and promote you throw a good show for a band. Then after the show, sometimes there's not a lot of time to like hang out at a show, right? Like two touring bands play a show together. The two people at merch might get to know each other a little bit. Like you're not going to get the full like hangout, like endless friendship vibe until after the gig. Right. And, and I used to bring bands back to my house We'd stop at the store on the, on the way home, get some beer. I would always get um, like bagels and hummus for breakfast is a super cheap one that I would always serve up. Um, get some beers, get some coffee, and then you go hang out all night. And You know, some people are going to knock out and some people are going to stay up till the sun rises. But doing that, doing that show and doing that friendship whether the band is from another fucking, you know, big, whether they're from Austin fucking Texas or fucking Tucson, they're going to want, <coughs> excuse me, they're going to want to show you a good time when you come to their town because you have showed them a good time. And right? the thing is, and the thing is, I just want to point this out. You don't know necessarily, like I, I used to have the, the like the punk spot where like, we literally had a mattress in the entryway so that bands could crash. Like that's how, like we had like two or three bands a week at one point. Yeah. Because I was in the scene and then I had a roommate who was also active in the scene. So like we would just like in the like roommate group text just be like, bro, bands crashing tonight. You know what I mean? And like- Oh yeah, I mean, that's always been a thing. Like living with me has been like, I mean, it's always been like this could happen at any time. Yeah, but like so I just four wanna, I just dudes wanna, in a thirty pack might roll in at midnight. But I just want to break on. something down here real fast, which is that again, you don't know necessarily 
who all these people are or who they're going to become, right? And so sometimes some band comes to crash and then you find out, oh, you're like the main dude in your scene in Sacramento. Like that's how I met uh, Chris Somel, who's now the uh, the sound guy for like Elder and a bunch of other big bands was like, he called me on a fucking layover and he was like, yeah, the guy we were going to cra- crash with, uh, we can't. So can, can we like stay with you? And they came to my house, his band church, and we like ate macaroni and cheese until four in the morning and became super homies. And now like, and he was able to like, now he's like this guy and like, we can hook each other up with stuff. And it, you know, like shit like that happens all the time. Cause if someone like cares enough to like go through the misery of a DIY tour, <laughs> they're probably someone who also cares enough to like be doing a ton of important shit at home. Yeah. And I, Maddie made a, Maddie said something that, uh, the mattress for the bands. I want to know, I want everyone to know I am 43 years old and in the living room at my house, there is a mattress against the wall behind the couch. Yeah. We call the band mattress Yeah, and it lives there against the wall because it needs to be pulled. I mean, it hasn't been pulled out from against the wall in over a year now, but it's still there waiting for our next round of guests. Yeah. Like this is the thing. Like this is, and, and it's, you know, cause, and, and so just as another thing, when you're hosting bands, this is just like a band hack. Um, I always used to make food for the bands and what I would make for them was vegan chili because you can make a big pot of vegan chili for seven dollars and you can have a bag of cheese on the side for anyone who wants it for another 250 Mm -hmm. and that feeds that more than feeds six people and so go on i'm just saying like that's like a a dope recipe like if if you want to be like the hookup that's an easy way to be yeah. like the guy where everyone is like, oh, fuck, we crashed at this house and he fed us. And it cost you like less than 10 bucks to feed all these yeah. people. Um, I was just going to throw in that sometimes uh, people, well, on a DIY tour, people aren't usually expecting to get fed. So it's really yeah. nice to get fed. Yeah, but yeah. like there's the thing about like the pot of chili. It's like, are you bringing all, like you're usually meeting the band at the show. So I was just going to throw two things out there. The pot of chili is great after the show. Like, yeah, yeah, bring everyone home and then everyone, everyone's going to have munchies and shit, you know? Um, I found with DIY tours, a lot of people just want beer before the show, not food. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always usually concentrate on breakfast, but I wanted to say uh, veggie burritos are a good one because you can just fill a grocery with tinfoil, like wrap them up. And so you can yeah. just whip up like 10 burritos and put them in a grocery bag and bring them to the show. And then if they don't get eaten until afterwards, they're, it's fine. And you don't need to bring fucking, um, you know, uh, silverware and plates and shit for everybody, bowls and stuff like that. But make no mistake, that's the kind of extra effort where, like, if you, if you make a fucking dinner for a band and they host you, you know, the, the next season at, at their house, they might never cook for bands but then they're going to be like, oh, shit, one of us has got to cook for these guys. Remember, they totally hooked us up with that chili when we were at their house. 
So yeah. like you're kind of you're st- you can stack the deck in your own favor by being the best most gracious host you this can is be. something this is something which mountain i don't know if you're friends with that band are the best at like just being great hosts right and then yeah, they come and, into town it's like oh shit we gotta take them out to breakfast dude. yeah like, we can't like, just fucking send them on their way right they have like like hookups and then you know because like the thing is when you get good at it like which mountain like literally route tours around my parents house because they know like oh, we can stay at fucking Caroline and Cherry's and they'll feed us and, like, everyone will have a mattress and, like, no one's gonna fucking break into our van because they live in a nice suburban neighborhood. We used to have this thing that was really funny on boat sectors where we, when we're looking for a, you know, because here's the other thing on tour, you don't always have a place to, like, a lot of time you don't know where you're crashing you get to yeah, the show. But right? I, 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 want, I, want, you, I want to address this in a second, but keep going. So this is just a, this is just really funny how one of my bands used to do it is you get to the show and you start asking like, Oh, does anyone have a place to stay? Does anyone have a place to stay? And what's funny is that people sometimes like you're out every day, right? So some nights you don't want to go to the party house. And a lot of nights you just like the cleanest place with the showers, the nicest. So what I was going to say is sometimes we'd get like someone who'd be like, I don't want to say embarrassed, but they kind of like want to preface it. Like, Hey, like, yeah, you guys can totally stay at my house, but, and you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, and they're like, but I live with my parents and where I was like, sick, you're the one, like we're going to your house because parents means there's probably clean towels there's not gonna be bed bugs or fucking cat piss everywhere like that vibe and it was just always funny as people would always kind of apprehensively be like is it okay that it's my that my mom's gonna be there though and we're like yeah i bet she makes a dope biscuit for fucking breakfast yeah so i just want to okay so i just want to point something out real fast and then i want to get into like the actual in the last segment of this i want to get into like the nuts and bolts of booking um, yeah, because I don't think we've actually told yeah, yeah, anyone no, how to book a yeah, tour no, yet no. at all. <laughs> well, no, we were talking about the the, the pregame, right? Which is like yeah, really absolutely. the most important part. Because I want, I would just, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna explain that out of this part. But when it comes to staying with people, if you do it at scale and you build a reputation as a good dude, all the other cool dudes in the country who like let people stay with them, like, will start to hear your name. And you can start to be, you know, so even if like, you know, whatever, you let some band from somewhere not on your tour, like you let some band from like Boise stay at your house, right? Like you not, you're not going to go play Boise, but like it just gives you that like extra little bit of reputation so that when you're in Asheville, someone's like, oh, you're fucking friends with whoever from Boise? Yeah, you can crash, bro. Right. Yeah, like well, you're... most of the people that that do this, most of like the movers and shakers in the DIY community know each other. Yeah, like, right. You know, because there's only like a hundred, so it's like that would be a that's a generous number. Yeah, but like that's I think what I'm when I was, yeah, is like you know, it's like you can build your you know, like if if you you know, and the thing is like what I would do pre tours would be I would reach out to all my friends even if they weren't on my route and just be like hey can these guys can can we stay can do you know anyone in this city that's like relatively near to you 
And like, I'd always get hookups. One of my proudest accomplishments in the music industry is in 60 shows with Tanger Cavalry in 2016, we got hotels twice. I was 20 and that was my network. I was so proud. Yeah, a hotel's a big spend on an early DIY tour. It's definitely yeah. something you earn, yeah. you know? So, um, but the point being, the point being, the mechanics of tour booking, okay? So you've built your network, you started small, and when you start small, you're literally just kind of booking local shows, but in the city three hours away, right? And you're doing that to connect with people, right? Yeah. So how do you get, how do you book like a real tour? That's more than just like, oh, we're going to do a weekender of our three friends in the three cities around. Like, it's like me in Brooklyn being like, I could do a tour that's like Brooklyn, Philly, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, home. But that's not like a tour tour. So how do you book like God, a I wish, God, it, sometimes I wish I would have been on the East Coast, man. That's so easy. Bro, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good, right? Yeah, but, we're so like how, seven hours to LA or 13 to Portland. How do you book a tour tour? What are your steps? Well, here's the thing. Nothing has, I don't think that, the, that like, obviously the internet has changed the way we communicate with people to book the tour. But I think the very first step that I've always done, I think still plays well today, which is literally getting out the fucking map put a fucking map of the region of the whole United States out on a table, then get one of those big calendars, you know, like those desk size ones, put them mm -hmm. right next to each other. Do this as like a band meeting, you know, you'd literally just draw out a fucking route. Where are we going to yeah. go? Where's the main highways where look at the routing other bands do. I mean, we all kind of use the same fucking circle eight or, or, you know, around the country or stuff like that. But yeah, that's a big thing, by the way, is like. You want to make you want to have the shortest drives possible, especially yeah. because you're going to be crashing where you play the night before when but, you no, get but, to. Sorry, what I wanted to say was looking at other bands routings is really important because that also gives you an idea for like what clubs to play. Oh, yeah. But I think at this stage, what you're really looking for, like what's going to be really hard. Is trying to cold call clubs yeah. to book a tour. That Don't is that. not going to work. That is not going to work for you. You have to develop these relationships um, because you need to talk to a local promoter. You're not going to just email the club. Some places have in-house booking, but like if you're not a known band, like in-house booking is also known as talent buyers. So they're not just like waiting for a phone call from a band with a self-release CDR, you know, like they're like trying to make money for their bar. That's where the local promoter comes in because the local promoter is the person that can book the club and say, oh, no, no, I know 100. I can get 100 people out to the show. You guys will do great. And, and then it moves from there. So you got the calendar and you got the map. So you're looking at the routing and then you start writing on the calendar and then you start writing down who you know in that town, what bands you want to play in that. Like who's the bit, who's the boss band of that town in your scene? Who do you yeah. know? And if you don't know anyone, that's okay. You don't have to host a band from every city in America at your house to go do a successful U S tour because you're, you can, you can build on the, the, 
contacts of other people. If yeah. you have if you have verified yourself as a reliable person that people can count on in your town, they will gladly pass you the information of their friend who does great shows in the town that you that you don't know anyone in, right? Yeah. So now you're listing out the calendar. You want to correlate cities with local promoters, the local bands you want to play with, maybe the club that you'd like to play at. And then you want to delegate the responsibility. Not every band on their first tour is, I mean, there's always the band dad, right? Which is who I, I was with Deadfall, but not, we used to argue in VoteSec. Uh, we were only a four piece, but I would say I was fifth in charge because you can't be the band dad for everything. But delegating that like, oh, hey, you know, doesn't fucking Steve know somebody in Rochester? And doesn't fucking Stacy know somebody in Orlando or, you know, stuff like that. So you don't have to put a whole like 25 show pile up on the drummer, right? If everybody has five shows to work on in your band, that's going to make everything easier. And it, you're going to have more success because each person can really have that time to focus on that show. And, and make sure to advance the promoter like stuff like, do you have a place where we were going to, where we can stay? Do you think that someone is going to be around to feed us dinner or not? Cause a lot of those things you can't really, it's not like you can send a rider ahead on your early tours, but you can still get that information. And if you're working with an honest promoter, they might be like, Oh yeah, I can do your show. But yeah, I mean, it's a door deal and there's no food. And you know, like I, just so you know what you're getting into when you pull into town. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The advance email once you is, is crucial, but okay. So just, cause I don't want this to go on much longer, but what does your booking email look like? Just as a final point. Well, here's, that's where it really helps if you're friends, because if someone's already crashed at your house or a friend of a friend or that, yeah. it's kind of a friendly email, like checking in with somebody like, oh, you know, hey, Cheryl, it's us. We're, we're finally making good on coming to your town. Like, uh, we're looking at these dates. This one would be specific, but we're going to be in your region for these days, because you also have to be ready to do a little shuffle, right? Yeah, this because is a big one. Because if you have... If you have Pittsburgh on your map for Thursday, but then your person in Philly goes, oh, I'm already doing a great show on Thursday. You guys would totally fit. You don't go, nope, sorry, we're coming on Friday. You go, oh, sick. All right, bet. Thursday it is. Awesome. And then you reroute Pittsburgh or you reroute Jersey, right? Yeah. And that is just going to be like, I mean, when you make that calendar, make it with a fucking pencil, right? Not a Sharpie, because you're going to be moving, erasing a lot of that stuff and jumbling it around as it goes. Yeah. Anybody that you're like cold calling for the, for uh, the show, A, don't expect to reply. Like you, like if when your band checks back on you and is like, how are things going for Knoxville? And you're like, oh, I never heard back from the guy that's not that's not booking a tour right yeah that's you not a maybe that's a no that's like some boss employee thing like whatever happened with that oh they never emailed me back oh, okay we'll email them again like that's you you're, you're this is responsibility for your own life so if the person in knoxville doesn't hit you back it's not oh i guess we're not doing a show that night it's who's next who's next in the line and that's why it's a good idea when you're making that initial calendar 
to write down all the bands you know locally from that area, all those things. Yeah, and so and so just for the record, so like if you now I agree because I've definitely like I've booked tours the hard way and I booked tours the easy way and you know where I knew everyone and I've booked tours where I knew everyone in an afternoon. Um, that was actually Dylan from Full of Hell once said to me when I was maybe uh, I was maybe like I was a teenager and he was like, you know, I could like book a national tour in like three hours on my phone and that like exploded my brain and that became my goal to like be able to book a national tour in three hours on my phone like because that's totally doable for somebody who's like an active participant yeah and like but then like two years later i booked a a diy tour while on tour because i had a day off in la and i was like i'm gonna book a tour today (laughs) i just did it right because like i knew all the people and that's you know so it becomes easier but so so just for the record so you're booking email like if for instance your buddy points you to someone they know with like a good word, you know, you still want your, like, even if it's like a friend or just like a casual acquaintance, you want the booking email to be a good email. So by this, let me give you the the best email right now. Let me lay it out so quick. Hello, local booker. It is I Scotty from the band. We are booking currently booking a tour. Look, you go, you want to be months and months in advance on this too. Yeah, like minimum. I know as a out. local booker, I've gotten the fucking email that's like, we're gonna be there two Saturdays from now. What can you do for us? No. As with any kind of planning, the more advanced you get, you're better. But here's what you want to say in the email: We're looking for a show around these dates. This one is th- like this. You know, Tuesday the fifteenth is on our calendar but we're going to be in your area, you know, for three, four days. It, however, we can work this out. I got your contact from our mutual friend who said you could help. Uh, real quick, not a fucking extended biography. Real quick, we just self-released a record or we just released a, an EP on this label. We are playing this style of music. One sentence. This style of music, this is our new release. This is how I, this is who gave me your contact information. And these are the dates we're looking for. Here is a link to our band camp. And so looking forward to hearing from you. Don't, don't feel bad about like throwing your, like, I actually like it, like throwing your Instagram on there or something just so people. Can oh yeah. That's see, what I like, meant with Bandcamp too. Like throw some links at the bottom. Don't the, attach the tour flyer or your album art or logos or mp3s to the thing if they want to check your shit out let them just click and go yeah instagram is a good one now too because it's like i mean a booker might not have heard of you but if they see that you are like have a bunch of engaged fans on your instagram they might go oh well actually i think i can probably do something with this and being able to look at your instagram shows a little bit more of the band's personality than just your song so it might help them with what local band they want to pair you up with yeah and also it lets them know like if you're real and work hard or not like that's like something i explain to people a lot is like part of why you want to post regularly on your instagram is so that promoters can see you actually give a shit um yeah because they're gonna want i mean it's nice to know that the band's gonna like that's a that's a huge like asset uh social media right now is that when i started touring you were kind of 
besides like releasing like a like the full schedule or whatever you're really at the mercy of the local promoter to for actual promotion but now the band themselves can reach out to every can reach people in every town um so the promoter is actually really also counting on you to help promote yeah which is, a, which, which, which is the big thing to understand is that like the promoter you know but if but if the promoter sees like oh these guys were good at pushing themselves will probably be good at pushing their shows that's cool whereas like if you posted like three times on instagram this year they're gonna be like oh these guys aren't gonna fucking try to you know they're gonna think i'm gonna do everything right and like and- that's a and to Maddie's point, this is right. This is, you know, I mean, when Maddie is telling bands, you know, that you need to stay active on your social media, this is like one of the hidden reasons why, you know, this is what doesn't come through in a bacon's bit every time. The, 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 the steps, the waterfall, the trickle down after from you being active, people that you're not even thinking of are, can see that and know if you're going to be someone they want to work with. Yeah, because for no other reason than that, they don't want to fucking be there till 1 a.m. for a band who didn't even post their tour flyer. You know what I mean? No, we don't. We don't. Because <laughs> they have shit going on too. Anyway, so that was like a whirlwind guide to tour booking, a lot of stuff about like DIY networking, I'm sure we're going to touch on this podcast topic again because there's so much to unpack. But yeah, because um, I also want to say I like to I like to show the flip side too because uh, just as much as there's a risk going along with touring, you know, taking a month off work and all that stuff, there, there, you're not like don't get yeah, me it's wrong. Not like all every, hell. Like it's not like yeah. yeah like but also I, like every time you invite a band to come crash at your house doesn't mean you just made best friends for life right i mean oh, i yeah. fucking woke up to the flipped over couch cushion with bar for piss on it i've discovered missing records a week later uh there's there's level like not everyone's a fucking saint you know we're also involved in extreme music like there's bad actors here you know yeah um, not only that but like uh, yeah, and, and even if they're not bad actors, some people they just they are bad at replying, or they. I just think back to a lot of these people. I'm like, those, like I have like weird flashbacks sometimes to like, oh yeah, that band stayed at my house one time, <laughs> you know, like they'll never remember me, but that's fine. Um, so yeah, there's a whole and, bunch of layers. We'll dig into it later. Yes, and you your point points? about about going back to places and stuff like don't let one bad show spoil you on something because also and this is about bringing your bringing your best no matter what I've booked shows for bands where a dozen people show up and then the band fucking blows the fucking doors off the place and those 12 people their story is everyone fucking missed it. You all, everyone in my scene fucked up when they didn't come out last Wednesday because that band fucking smokes and they're going to be awesome. And I've, I've hosted bands that did a shit show, came back the next summer and had a rager. And I've been that band that's gone to a small town, played for no one, 
came back and they were like, Oh, don't worry, dude. Next time you come back, it's going to be, it's going to be dope. And, and it is. So don't yeah. give up on that stuff either. Absolutely. This has been noise direction. You have been listening. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.